Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Viviscal. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I'm your host, Emma Gunn-Awardner, and in this episode, I'm talking all things hair loss, hair thinning, and hair health with Viviscal's panel of experts. Viviscal is the UK's most clinically researched hair growth supplement, and in addition to surveying 2,000 women to examine hair health and attitudes on hair loss, they have gathered Dr. Martin Wade, consultant dermatologist at the London Skin and Hair Clinic, Eve Kalinick, nutritional therapist and gut health specialist, and Christelle Lungfist, founder and creative director of Steel Salon, to take part in hashtag healthy hair talks. And that's the conversation you're going to hear now. If you're a regular listener to the podcast or you follow me on social media, you'll know I've had my battles with hair loss and hair thinning and have tried everything, both in terms of topical treatments and supplements in order to try to keep my hair in the healthiest condition possible. Today, the subject of hair loss and hair thinning is a huge part of the beauty conversation, perhaps more so than ever before, and the Viviscal brand has been dedicated and committed to clinical research for more than 25 years, and was keen to understand modern women's attitudes on the subject after founding Hair Loss Awareness Month back in 2008. Hair Loss Awareness Month is the month of May, which is when this episode of the podcast was recorded. The survey revealed that 41% of women are currently experiencing or have previously experienced hair loss or some form of hair thinning, and that 40% of women are unhappy with the current appearance and overall health of their hair. Clearly, this is something we need to keep talking about. In this episode, Dr. Martin Wade, Eve Kalinic, Christelle Lungvist, and Kim Asprey, Viviscal's education ambassador, share their insight from their daily dealing with people looking for the causes and solutions to their hair loss, hair thinning, and hair health. All the links from the episode can be found in the show notes, which can be found wherever you are streaming and downloading this episode. And for all things Viviscal, just visit viviscal.co.uk, follow at viviscalhairuk, or search the hashtag healthyhairtalks. So here it is, a healthy hair talk with Viviscal's panel of experts on The Emma Gunn Show. Right, well, this is incredibly exciting because this is the biggest podcast 
to have ever happened on the Ever Gun Show. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five people on the show today. And I'm going to go around and get everyone to introduce themselves. So, Martin Wade, you are consultant dermatologist at the London Skin and Hair Clinic. That's right. <laughs> Hello, welcome. Thank you. Um, uh, it's great to have you here because you obviously have a huge amount of experience working in clinic with people who have hair loss issues, is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yep, absolutely. So I'm a dermatologist, but I also see a lot of patients with hair loss, so on a, d- a daily basis I'm, I'm seeing patients with a, a wide range of hair loss conditions, mm-hmm. all ages, men, women. Interesting. And we'll talk obviously in detail about what you see in the clinic. Um, Christelle, who is the founder and creative director of Steel Salons, hello and welcome. Hi, thank you very much. Um, you obviously must see a completely different side of hair loss and hair thinning because people who go and see Martin or obviously going with potentially medical conditions and people are coming to you a salon environment talking about maybe their hair not doing what they would like it to do or maybe they speak to you about the first signs of change that they're noticing yeah absolutely that's right and it's it's interesting because we see it almost on a daily basis as well so I guess the difference there would be uh, clients suffering more maybe from hair breakage Mm -hmm. due to uh, misusing heated tools Uh, it could also be over usage of uh, chemical products like color for example Uh, and it could be sort of hair thinning from tension so Mm -hmm. Uh, hair extensions for example so I guess it's slightly different to to what Martin would see yeah and we also have Eve Kalinic friend of the show and (laughs) nutritional therapist and author welcome back hi nice (laughs) to be back I can't believe you've not come back sooner I know it's been too long hasn't it it's all this swanky new equipment and everything as well (laughs) um now you are a nutritional therapist as everyone knows because your episode on the gut on gut health was fantastic but you are also seeing this more in your consultations, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot of clients that are, you know, either losing hair or have noticed hair thinning, um, and actually, you know, at various ages and across both men and women mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, it's definitely something that's on the increase. On the increase. And finally, we have Kim Asprey, who you are Viviscal Educator. Yes. Viviscal Educator. Viviscal Educator. I've worked with the Viviscal brand for over 10 years now, so it's something really close to my heart, and I've spoken to so many women about this issue over because that time. Because this is the thing from your experience as a Viviscal Educator, you actually have a lot of sort of face time, or you communicate a lot with women here who are actually uh, dealing with hair loss, hair thinning, and actually taking the supplements. So you really understand the vocabulary that people are using, and the issues that they're going through yeah. and quite how distressing it can be and emotional. Yeah, I think if there's one thing I've come to realise it's just how important hair is to us, you know, and um, when it goes wrong, it can really impact on someone's confidence and in some cases even damage self-esteem. So I think that's a really important thing. And the reason why uh, I wanted to work with Viviscal and wanted to get such a big panel together to talk about this is because Viviscal have actually done the, uh, a brand survey and right off the bat, 41% of women are currently experiencing or have previously experienced hair loss or some form of hair thinning. Now, that's a lot of women. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. And the first thing I want listeners to take away from this, and I hope that you will back me up on this, is you're not alone. There's, com- there's actually some comfort to be had here. This is not a, a situation that you're dealing with solo. Wouldn't you say that's true? 
Yeah, absolutely, yes. I mean, the, the survey just shows how common it is. I mean, there's a whole range of, of um, degrees of hair loss as well. Um, and often women and men don't feel comfortable talking to you know, their partners, their, their friends, or um, seeking medical advice. Uh, about their hair loss issues, so um, you know, oft, often they bury themselves away. Maybe do a bit of internet searching, mm -hmm. um, looking for solutions, but but not being open and talking about the problem. And actually, do you feel that when you have a one-on-one -on -one appointment with somebody, mm -hmm. you're actually validating their their fear, your con their concerns? and you're actually putting them on a path, do you feel that those internet searches, it still isn't really real? When they come and speak to you and they understand that actually they're not imagining it, they're mm -hmm. completely on the money, They've, mm -hmm. they have noticed something that's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Do you notice that that's like a, a real transition moment for somebody going through this journey? Uh, yes, I mean, I, I, I see signs of relief. Um, uh, you, you know, being told that you actually do have a hair loss condition can sometimes be upsetting, but. Um, I mean, we always have to be truthful to our patients and they actually appreciate that, um, uh, you know, they've, they've um, been given a diagnosis or, um, uh, you know, that, as you said, validated what they were concerned about. Mm. And then the next steps, the, the positive part of the consultation mm. is say, all right, well, now we've identified what the problem is and, you know, that's all the, the hard work, but now let's talk about how we can make things better. Mm. And that's, um, that's obviously the time when they, um, you know, feel more positive about what can be done for their hair. And a lot of women out there and men think that um, you know their treatments, the treatments just don't work. There's nothing that's going to help. I think because there's so much on the market um, and a lot of the things don't work so well, people just assume that everything doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, educating the patient and saying to them, well, actually, these are the clinically proven uh, treatment options, and you know, this is the evidence for why we're recommending what we do, uh, gives them more confidence, and then that they'll be more likely to adhere to the advice that we give them. Can we take a couple of steps back though because what I think is really interesting and I think all of you can weigh in on this is actually to outline what the causes are mm -hmm. of hair loss and actually the distinction between hair loss and hair thinning or quality of hair changing mm -hmm. and may we start with you Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have we got? I mean this is a huge topic. <laughs> this is a huge topic and what I find is that it all gets clumped together and what might be hair thinning for you is hair loss for someone else and it, you know we, we confuse ourselves and even even in the medical literature we probably confuse ourselves with using terms interchangeably. So I, I uh, make the first division of hair loss and hair breakage. So hair breakage is um, what, what we've spoken about before which um, is where the hair shaft breaks mid-shaft mid and that could be due to over-processing or the use of heated tongs or dyeing the hair too much or bleaching the hair too much. So the hair's not actually falling out from the root, it's breaking. Mm -hmm. So um, advice for um, correcting that's completely different to someone who might be losing their hair, the hair falling out from the root. Mm -hmm. Now with the hair loss conditions, there's a wide gamut of, of what can be happening. I mean, the most common form of hair loss for men is male pattern baldness. We see an equivalent female pattern hair loss in women which is a lot more complicated um, has a lot more differing triggers or things that can be driving that like hormones mm -hmm. or uh, medication then we've got the inflammatory causes of hair loss alopecia areata we've got um, other inflammatory causes of hair loss the scarring alopecia so it's, it's a huge mm -hmm. field and when you google hair loss 
it all just gets clumped together. So, so one of the things that I do in my consultation is, you know, the first thing is to, to take a good history and, and get to the bottom of the problem so we can then say, all right, this is the type of hair loss you've got. This is how we can address it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's very important, I think, to rather than, oh, let's try this, let's try that, let's jump to this or whatever. It's, it's doing it in a methodical um, way. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I've said before, I really want to make sure that the listener comes away with lots of hope and lots of comfort. Mm-hmm. With the majority of those issues that you see on a day-to-day basis, are there actionable plans that could lead to an improvement? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's always something that we can do, do for hair loss. Uh, some of the more severe conditions we sometimes preventing it getting worse mm-hmm. uh, but for the more common ones like female pattern hair loss alopecia areata uh, there are treatments out there that, that can work and, and can bring back hair mm-hmm. yeah and obviously you are a dermatologist you work in a skin and hair clinic and you are an incredible resource but who can people really realistically turn to do they have to seek out someone like you um, so ideally, yes, <laughs> but obviously that's that's not practical. So um, unfortunately, in the medical profession, I mean, there's dermatology is a, a niche area, mm-hmm. and then if you take hair, hair loss is a niche area of dermatology, which is already a niche area. So there's not a lot of expertise out there, and um, I do often find that people have gone to their general practitioner and you know they they haven't had the the training they don't have the resources um they may not be able to prescribe some of the medications that we would prescribe in the specialist field Mm. so it can be very tough and and frustrating for the general practitioner but likewise for the uh for for the patient as Mm. well um there's trichologists out Mm. there which um, are not doctors but do have an education in hair so they can often uh, give good advice and th- they can be a good triage service so they can they can say to um, some people well you know th- th- this is the problem and this is what we need to do or no actually you need to see a dermatologist mm-hmm. so yeah it's another resource and Christophe you're in the salon yeah I'm sure that well have you noticed an increase in people sitting in the chair and sort of sensitively saying are they asking you does my hair look thinner is my hair falling out are they asking questions like that yeah, definitely. And I think it's going back to what Martin said as well. I think in terms of, you know, what's available today as well. So everyone kind of want to look its best. They want to look good, feel good. And hair is a big part of that as well. So we want to style it. We expect quite a lot out of hair. Um, and there's so many different products now to use to for us to be able to style it. So heated tongs, uh, you know, there's extensions. The colour market is huge in terms of what products are out there, what we actually can do with hair now as well. So it's a big concern for a lot of people because a lot of clients now want to colour their hair. They want to straighten it. They want to use tongs. They want to have hair extensions. And they're expecting quite a lot out Mm. of the hair. So for us, we hear that on a daily basis. So as a hairdresser, what's important for us to do is to educate the client and advise, almost like a bespoke sort of journey in terms of what they can have done as well because every hair type is uh, different. So texture, density is different from head to head as well. So it's almost like choosing what's more important. Is it more important to have really blonde hair? If that's the case, you might want to air dry the hair or you might want to style it very naturally. Mm. If it's important for you to have a relaxer done, for example, you might not want to have colour so much. So 
yeah, it's by choosing, and we do hear it on a day-to-day basis because there's so much available now for mm-hmm. clients to, to do with their own hair. So do you think it's that the instances of thinning hair or hair loss are increasing? partly because we're expecting too much of our hair, we're overtaxing it. I think that's a big part of it, yes, absolutely. And then there's the other side as well uh, in terms of lifestyle. So uh, what we notice a lot of in the salon at the minute is that a lot of people work a lot. Their lifestyle is, you know, hectic, there's a lot of stress in their life. And we see a lot of thinning from that as well because they might not put a lot of goodness back into the body or they're not looking after themselves and then we see a result as of that on on their hair. And that's why actually that brings us to a really brilliant point of as much as you can do things topically and to the actual hair, it's about what you can feed yourself, which I guess segues us beautifully into (laughs) Eve. Because as I always say, it's like a pincer movement. Mm. You can do whatever you're doing to your actual hair, but your hair is ultimately fueled or nourished by what you eat right yeah yeah totally i mean um in naturopathic medicine which is obviously um how we work as nutritional therapists um it's all about treating sort of root causes or um to quote you martin on the um getting to the bottom of the problem i mean i'm always about the gut sorry that's a bit crass but anyway (laughs) um so you know you've got to think about what's going on from a much more internal perspective um you know hair and nails and things like that can give an indication about how well the body's generally sort of functioning um and it is always good to sort of look at sort of root causes when you're looking at hair um loss or breakage or just changes in the quality of the hair um because those can be multiple and myriad um obviously if we're not necessarily giving our body the nutritional needs that it requires then that's going to manifest itself potentially in changes in the hair so if we're following say too restrictive diets or we're taking out too many foods which is more often the case Mm -hmm. in my that I see in my practice that people have you know read some piece of information they've started restricting their diet Mm -hmm. then they remove one food group then another and then actually what they're ending up is is nutritionally depleted and then that manifests itself in the hair but also coming back to Christelle's point about stress like you know when we're just you know pummeling our adrenal glands that output some of the stress hormones like cortisol that will negatively impact on the hair as well Mm. and other sort of underlying um, hormonal conditions things like underactive thyroid for instance hair um, loss can be one of the main sort of symptoms of that so you know I mean, yes, obviously we want to empower the reader here and and say, you know, there are some tangible things they can do, um, but ultimately it's about finding out root causes. Mm. On the thing about what can they do, they can start with looking at their diet and just making sure that they are having sufficient amounts of protein, um, you know, specific to hair but protein um omega-3 fatty acids iron what what um, does it i know it sounds like a but what does an omega-3 fatty acid look like what what do i have to eat in order to consume that the stinkiest oiliest fish basically (laughs) um it can be the best source of of omega-3s they're the most what's called bioavailable so that's um easier for our body to absorb Mm -hmm. sources um organic grass-fed meat you'll get some um omega-3s through that and then plant-based sources would be flaxseed and chia seed but we just we don't convert them as efficiently Mm -hmm. so if unless you're obviously following a plant-based diet then try to get them through the sort of oily fish um so you can look at your diet and see 
Um, you know, am I getting enough of that? Am I getting mm. enough protein? Am I getting enough iron? Because even maybe making some shifts there might positive tra- translate mm. to the hair. But it, you know, it does take time. It's not going to be you eat, a, you know, plate of salmon and then the next day your hair looks all, you know, vibrant and bouncy. Yeah, because so, it's like, well, yeah. let's face it. Everyone listening to this, everyone around this table, we're all trying to just live our best lives yeah. and try and have a good lifestyle. And if somebody thinks, actually, you know what? In order to live my best life, I need to drop a dress size or a certain amount of weight you would instantly cut certain things out or maybe be a bit restrictive not realizing that three months down the line Mm. that might show up in your hair yeah so I I just think yeah you can unfortunately that's just the way that I think we've been sort of led or how society is now around diet you know the diet culture but ironically to lose weight sometimes you need to eat more food rather than less and it's just about the the getting the right amounts of of nutrition in your diet Mm. so you know having making sure that you're getting enough of say the proteins and things like that rather than just cutting out food groups Mm. um i think you know hair aside you can get into a lot of kind of negative sort of health consequences that and also develop a negative relationship with your food create stress around your food create more like generic stress so you know even things like doing some meditation might be the best thing for your hair which sounds a bit sort of far-fetched but you know in that kind of helping to manage the hormones that we um produce when we're overly stressed it Um, sounds like a very long way to get from a to b yeah to meditate to get better hair but actually it is that dropping that cortisol yeah is um yeah one thing isn't it that you can do i mean martin you must see this a lot Mm -hmm. stress-related hair loss yeah absolutely yep so um quite often when someone presents with um, acute hair shedding we're always looking at what's happened in the three months before and one of the common triggers is a stressful situation um the other condition alopecia areata um we know that it's an autoimmune condition we know that there's a potential genetic basis to it but the the problem with the genetic theory is you have the same genes all your life so why does a patch of hair loss present at a particular time and really the only thing that we see with any frequency as a trigger is stress Mm -hmm. and then of course once you start losing your hair you become stressed about losing hair and it can be a downward spiral so um, the emotions and the psyche are actually very important for Mm -hmm. the hair and it flags up something really important actually would you mind explaining the hair growth cycle because I think that's really important because I mm-hmm. think if you are going on a course, maybe you start taking Vimascal supplements or you start mm-hmm. using topical solutions. You'll be, I mean, I've been there. The next time you dry your hair, you're looking for denser hair and obviously that's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. What is realistic based on the hair growth cycle? Right. So, so if I just describe the hair growth cycle um, to start with, and interesting, a, a number of um, patients will say to me, oh, my hair stopped growing. Now, the hair doesn't stop growing unless you've had chemotherapy and it's all fallen out. So it's still growing. But um, on the scalp, the, the growth phase or the antigen phase lasts for between two to five years, some people even a bit longer. And that dictates how long you can grow your hair, so how long the hair fibre is, is in the growing phase. We then um, transition uh, to the resting phase, which typically lasts about three months, the resting phase. Can I just phase. ask a dumb question about the yep. um, growth phase? Is that from the point at which it starts growing out of the follicle and gets longer until it releases? Yeah, well, even before that, from the, the point that it starts growing in the follicle, but the first sign of it would be when it, when it mm. um Uh, pokes through the skin yeah so that's the antigen phase the growth phase we've got the uh, catagen phase which is when it transitions from the growing phase to the resting phase the resting phase is called telogen and typically on a scalp the the resting phase is about three months so that's why there's often a three-month lag 
with um, a stressful event and hair loss or any intervention nutritionally with, uh, um, with our diet for hair. Mm -hmm. And then the follicle then goes back into the growing phase again, so it's this constant cycle, and each hair on our, sca our scalp is uh, what we call asynchronous. So we're not usually like cats and dogs and animals who have a molting phase, but every hair's at a different stage of the, the hair cycle on, on the scalp. Mm -hmm. Okay, so anything that um, you do, you're basically, you've got to clock watch, you've got to wait for three months and then... Um, you have to yeah you have to give uh, you have to give it some time three months is a is a good time frame with some of the medical conditions we see regrowth a little earlier than that because we we're stimulating a, a follicle that's already in the in the uh, resting phase but as a general rule the, it's three months yeah okay mm -hmm. now more from this study which I just this study is absolutely fascinating and so we've. 41% of women are currently experiencing or previously experienced hair loss or some form of hair thinning. 40% of women say they are unhappy with the overall appearance and health of their hair, or the current appearance, sorry, and overall health of their hair. But, and Kim, I'm really interested to get your insight on this because I know that you speak to women every day, particularly women through Viviscal who use it, but it says 62% of women said that their hair gives them confidence. And that actually, like half of those people said they strongly agree that hair loss and thinning has an immediate impact on how they feel about themselves. I think it really does. I think it really, you know, our hair is a part of our identity. It's how we all see it. And, you know, we talk about things like, you know, hair being our crowning glory and having a bad hair day. And we don't take it lightly because when it goes wrong, it really does impact on how we feel. And, um, you know, you can imagine if you you suddenly look in the mirror one day and you think, I, I can see my scalp. Mm. You know, my parting looks much wider than it ever did. You know, or you're much more conscious of the hair that you're shedding. Mm. And I think for some people it can actually put you into a bit of a panic. And, you know, I'm glad that the survey has come up with the um, stats that make it clear that it's much more common than most of us think. Most mm. women feel all alone with this problem. Mm. They've said to me, I'm like the only woman on the planet. Why is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening to me. I'm a woman. Mm. It's not something that's talked about enough yet that we accept that it's a natural thing that we go through mm. in different phases of our lives. And it can be through any number of causes. Mm. You know, it could be a medical issue. It could be because we've been on some kind of medication. It could just be that we're going through a hormonal change in our lives. Maybe we've had a baby or we're... Um, menopausal mm. could have had a very stressful event um maybe you know we're on diet and if you, sometimes if you read the small print on some quite drastic diets mm. it warns you that you may well mm. suffer hair loss as a consequence of wanting to lose weight in this way which i always find quite incredible when you can see how much it really means to people and when you speak to women, is, is your main thing, and obviously men suffer with hair loss as well, we're not discriminating, but um, is it about saying to them, you're really not alone, this is completely normal? I think most women would expect to have a change in their hair as you say, postpartum or around menopause, but actually it's, it is now happening more as a stress trigger, so if you're working too much, maybe whatever else is going on. Yeah, you're busy. It's very hard. I think having, you know, having hair that you're happy with, the way nature intended, is difficult when you're busy. It's a difficult mm -hmm. balance to, you know, we sometimes just don't have time to eat properly or we're eating on the run or, you know, we don't stop to assess um, 
what we're eating for our body, let alone what we're eating for our hair, because your hair's the last place to benefit from the nutrition that you do get. Mm. Um, and that's why it can be the first place to perhaps show signs that perhaps you are deficient in some way in nutrition. But I think people feel much better when they realise it's something that's quite common, it's something that can be, you know, helped, um, that often it's a temporary situation, it's a life stage situation, it's not, you know, this what's happening now isn't necessarily forever, and there are things you can do about it. And I think people feel better when they've taken that first step when they've talked to their they've talked to their stylist or you know even to an expert or a nutritionist and i think you know people feel a bit more confident about the fact they've done something about it that they've understood it better mm-hmm. and a lot of people you know will be taking supplements like viviscal when they're conscious that they're coming up to a life stage that could play havoc with their hair right. you know and so lots of people will be making sure their nutrition is supplemented to have the best hair that they can actually have um, whatever stage they're at in life and try and you know prevent these things becoming a much more traumatic problem it's for them it's proofing isn't it it's like yeah. you know you've got a in a similar way you might have a wedding coming up so yes. you think right I'm going to make sure I've got my tans booked in or whatever it might be that you do to prepare for a big event yes I exactly really, that. that's really interesting yeah. future proofing for your and um, think about it in advance because like um, Dr Martin said it's like you know it's going to take time for you to see the detrimental effects on your hair from mm. whatever has caused it and it's going to take equal time to start to see the remarkable results that the clinical studies have shown. Do you find that, Martin, that people come in and they say, I don't understand, I'm eating right, I'm doing this right, why is it happening now? And then you have to sort of say, could we open your diary, please? <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens more than you'd realise, actually, yeah. And things that people um, don't think are relevant or things that you know, that they forget about um, you know, and, and then say, oh, no, that hasn't happened. And then when you you push people or probe a little bit further, you'll find that, yep, they actually do have some lifestyle factors that, that could be affecting uh, affecting their hair. Sometimes people get so fixated on their hair that they, they do sort of forget that, um, as we were saying, it's a, it's a reflection on general health to some extent. So hair's uh, highly metabolically active. So when the body's not performing at its optimum, it's one of the first things to go. So Because it's non-essential, isn't it, really? Yeah, to us as, as uh, humans now, it's non-essential, but yeah. um, more so than that, it's just because it, it's so highly metabolically active that the cell turnover time just needs a lot of energy, it needs all the nutrients, and if they're not there, it just doesn't grow as well. And even something as basic as we all style or run a brush through our hair, maybe wash our mm-hmm. hair every day, and I think probably everybody listening to this will think, well, I definitely lose a bit of hair every day, does that mean I've got thinning hair? Mm-hmm. Does it? No, no. So, I mean, it's absolutely normal to, to lose hair. I mean, as we said with the hair cycle, we're, um, you know, constantly... It's a circle, it's a cycle. We're constantly renewing our hair. So that means we have to be shedding hair and we're, we're regrowing hair. What the, the most important thing is whether there's a change in the degree of hair shedding. So people with a lot of hair will probably notice that they, they shed more hair. People who've got long hair will see more hair coming out just because the, the physical hair is longer. So if they curl it up into a ball, it's going to look bigger. Um, but it's more the relativity. So if someone notices an increase, a shift in, in hair shedding, uh, that's that's quite relevant. What I found is patients, are, and people are very good at noticing the hair shedding, uh, they're not so good at noticing the hair regrowth. Um, because that sneaks up on people. So the shedding's a quantifiable thing. They, some people count their hair. Some people say, well, my you know, hair shed ball was this size. Now it's that size, so it's improved. But the regrowth um, sneaks up on them, basically. So, so they sometimes miss the fact that they're getting some good regrowth. 
is that because almost to see it you have to get your hands in the hair and really pull it apart and go look can you not see those little yeah, sprouts yeah yeah that's one thing and also because it's a, a gradual recovery process mm-hmm. as well so it's like looking in the mirror um, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily see ourselves aging on a daily basis but if we see a photo of us five years ago speak for yourself Mum. we get a shot <laughs> <laughs> we've got treatments for that as well <laughs> Good to know, let's talk details later. Now, as a woman who had alopecia in teen, now has like thinny, thin bits, mm-hmm. but my hair is fine, I have a lot of it at the back, but it's fine. Can I, Martin, expert, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can I change the quality of my hair in that, can I make my hair thicker? <laughs> um, the individual strands, can I increase my hair density? Not the, depends what you mean by density. So the number of follicles you have on your scalp is genetically determined, so so we can't increase that at the moment. Lots of research going on with, um, you know, hair hair follicle cloning and stem cells and whatnot, but the number of hairs you've got on your your, um, scalp is set genetically Mm -hmm. and will unfortunately decrease with time. We're all getting thinner as we get older. But by having a healthy lifestyle, by um, uh, being in good health, um, that can make your hair grow at the best ability that it can, basically. Mm-hmm. So a supplement like Viviscal is being designed to, to basically look at all the things that are thought to be essential for good hair growth and then put them in a, in a supplement to provide the body with those nutrients. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the basis behind maximising the, the hair that you've got. Because, Kim, you said something really interesting about women actually and men taking Viviscal not to... Not because they're having any problem, but because they just they don't want to experience a problem. They just want their hair to be the best quality it can be. Yeah, and that could be, like you said, triggered by something coming up, an event, a wedding, or just knowing that you're about to hit a life stage that could impact on your hair. Yeah. You may be premenopausal and think, oh, you know, now's the time to start thinking about looking after my hair better than I have perhaps before and in my own experience when I took Viviscal I didn't necessarily think I had any kind of problem I've got quite thick hair naturally Mm. Um, but I really did notice fairly early on earlier than I expected actually that the amount of hair I was shedding when I washed or brushed my hair decreased really significantly so perhaps I was already beginning to lose hair um, but hadn't really been aware Mm. of that and I think perhaps you've lost quite a lot of hair before it's a visually Mm. noticeable difference that you will see going back to the sort Mm. of looking in the mirror thing Mm. and it's almost like by the time you really notice it and start to perhaps see a wider parting or you know a diffuse thinning over the top of your head or you might be in a lift and a bright light shines down and that's the first time you actually hang on a minute why can you see the top Mm. of my my skin through my hair and that's when people go a little bit into panic mode because it's already become quite a significant issue Mm. so that's why people do quite like to think well I'm not quite sure about my diet I'm not quite sure how good it is is my hair really getting what it needs through what I eat every day supplementing it with something designed specifically and proven to help make your hair grow the best it can be Mm. is what people often will go for because the other thing about it is if you're putting your faith in something whether you have noticeable thinning or um, uh, hair loss or anything there's, as you say, there's lots of choice out there. This is the most researched supplement on the market. Yes, Viviscal right? is the most clinically researched hair supplement that there is. There's been 10 global clinical studies published in scientific journals. Um, and it's really the remarkable results from those studies that have got the experts, like Martin and uh, other you know, trichologists and dermatologists and stylists, actually kind of sitting up and taking notice and thinking, hang on a minute, there's something here that we can recommend, mm-hmm. albeit maybe part of a holistic 
holistic um, approach to addressing a problem for individual needs um, um, because it's got clinical proof and years of 25 years of research and development have gone into developing this particular product so it's quite unlike a lot of the other products that are out there mm. and holistic is key this is why we have such a big panel today because we wanted to draw on everyone's expertise now crystal i'd be really interested to find out from you if someone's listening to this podcast and they feel that they're experiencing hair loss or they feel that their hair is much, much thinner than it used to be and they actually may be a bit fearful about going to the hairdresser or they don't really know what to do so they're sort of not even doing much, is there, is there a style, is there a way of cutting the hair that will optimise how it can look? Yeah, absolutely. I think the beauty with hair as well and I think that's where colour very much comes into it as well because you can create illusions of the hair looking thicker and stronger by working with different palettes for example so generally a darker colour will create a bit more strength a bit more fullness and it will give the appearance of the hair looking slightly fuller whereas a blonder palette creates a bit more texture and it's designed to create sort of movement in the hair and sometimes that's not always the best sort of palette to go for if you're if you're sort of having hair that's a little bit finer or you're suffering from from thin hair but there's tons of stuff you can do especially with styling as well there's so many different sort of styles and shapes and movements that you can apply to the hair so you can cut it slightly shorter you can you know style it differently it all depends on the texture of the hair and the length of the hair as well so there's so many things that you can do to to help it so it's not just a case of just go shorter or just get a blunt cut no absolutely not so i think if you have really long hair and you're noticing that it's getting really almost a bit sort of like chewing gum like towards the ends because that sometimes happens if you don't have a haircut and then the hair is in poor condition in those cases yeah you would probably have to cut it a bit to make it look healthier but there's no reason why you couldn't have long hair you could still have long hair but maybe less layers in it so you want it blunt cut or one length for example so there's tons of different stuff that you can do to make the hair look and feel thicker if you have uh, the sort of traditional female pattern baldness in your it's your hairline around there yeah are there particular styles like would you say don't do a fringe or would you say actually do do a fringe but do a thicker fringe like are there any sort of key yeah I think it's working with it rather than against it so you can definitely do that so I was talking to someone the other day about this a client so she has a very receding hairline and we're actually we cut a very soft 70s fringe in because that just softened that sort of hairline a bit so rather than having it really full and thick mm-hmm. we made it look a little bit wispy and slightly thinner to make her feel a bit more confident and to sort of hide those areas that's really interesting yeah. to go thinner and wispy yeah rather than too thick because yeah. i think if you if you're putting in a thick fringe you need to have the density there right. for it to look super good so yeah. so yeah there's definitely different sort of things that you can do to work with the hair rather than against it and i think same thing if you're noticing that your hairline is becoming thinner mm-hmm. try not to scrape the hair back wear it down because a lot of women do that they scrape it back and then you can see it and then you put a bit of tension on the hair as well so you could just wear it down make it look a bit more natural i mean i've talked about this in this podcast before when i um, used to do marathon training and i remember saying oh gosh my hair really does feel thinner and uh, my friend Katie said, well, clip your fringe and then do your ponytail because yeah. you're putting so much pressure on your hair. Yeah. And I didn't realise that, I mean, I'm, 
I was giving myself accidentally <laughs> yeah. so I wouldn't get a sweaty fringe in the morning. Yeah. Traction alopecia, basically. Yeah. And yeah, and we see that a lot. I think sometimes it's just, again, working with your hair rather than against it and just being a bit more thoughtful. Mm. Um, you know, especially if you have fine hair, you need to just look after a little bit more. And again, tension, for example, scraping the hair back, using... Uh, clips that might not be hair friendly for example because that can create friction and tension and ultimately result in hair thinning and hair loss as well so do you think people because I know I am so I'm not (laughs) casting aspersions can be too rough with their hair like when they're lathering up in the shower yeah like brushing it just like oh I'm gonna be quick and then you look and it's just like calm down yeah (laughs) yeah definitely we see that quite a lot I think again sometimes people don't feel that they have time Mm -hmm. so they just do something that's really quick again if you have uh, a lot of color in the hair you need your hair is sensitized so you need Mm -hmm. to be a little bit more thoughtful and careful with it so both types of color both bleach based and maybe a little bit more towards the lighter palette so anything that's bleach based or high lifting etc darker colors tends to be a little bit more nourishing on the hair because of all the conditioning agents etc and what it actually does to the hair but when you're lightening hair you're actually removing uh, structure out the hair so you need to make sure that you're putting goodness back into it and that's why Viviscal is so fantastic hair supplement because Mm. it has so much goodness in there Um, but also aftercare products so when you have lighter hair sorry so actually if you were taking somebody quite light yeah and would you potentially give them an option and say look this diet's going to look great on you, trust yeah. me, you're going to look amazing. But for the health of your hair, this might be a good idea, seeing as you're going down this particular kind of path with colour. Yeah, 100%. And and it's about taking responsibility over your client as well. Yeah. So especially if you have a client that naturally has fine hair like mm-hmm. myself, there's only so much I can do to my hair. So I know it's important for me to take supplements. Mm-hmm. I have to do that. But I also need to choose, do I want to have really blonde hair or do I want to blow dry my hair? So I can't do both. I have to choose what's more important because heated tools can create damage as well and then again create thinning effects so same thing with tongs so if you're really blonde you probably have to choose do do you want to tong your hair every day because you might not be able to interesting so I think that's a really really brilliant a way that I hadn't even thought about of using something like the Viviscal supplement is if you if you go on a path of lightening your hair yeah definitely it's a protective almost like doing a weekly mask or something isn't yeah it? absolutely because I think as a hairdresser you know hair is a fabric for us we work yeah. with it every day so it has to be in the best condition yeah. uh, and that cosmetic feel is so important and that's what gives a lot of clients confidence as well when the cosmetic feel is great when it feels amazing um, it gives people confidence and that's what they want to feel every day yeah comes back to what you were saying as well Kim about using the supplement not as a oh goodness I'm in this now mm. comes back to it as you mm as a this is just part of my lifestyle mm. I choose to make sure I'm nourishing my mm. hair from within and people will do that and then they'll enjoy the results themselves but they may then find that they perhaps don't need to keep taking it it's not something you've got to you know take forever mm. you may find actually I'm really happy with my hair now perhaps I'll you know some people go down to just taking one a day at that stage or something like that mm. some people will never want to stop because they just it becomes like they just love it so much it's like they're not going to leave it behind but I think you know when you're fearful of losing your hair and you were asking about you know what can you do with it I've spoken to women who are scared to touch their hair let alone wash it you 
you know it's like become they come become paranoid that if anybody comes near it they're going to lose even more and I think you just need the right advice and reassurance to know that it's okay to still wash your hair and it's okay yeah. to and it, you know to, to give it the time it needs to recover and just feel confident that you've taken that first step really I've told this story on the podcast before but I went to a hairdresser's and they went to go and do something to my hair and I just flew forward into the mirror because I was like do not use that on my hair please thank you goodbye kind sir <laughs> I want to ask you Christelle is it okay if someone isn't feeling confident about their hair we know from the survey that 41% of women not only are saying that they're having it but 40% are saying they're unhappy with the appearance mm. so your obvious next step is if I'm not happy with the appearance I'm going to go into a salon I'm going to go and seek an expert's advice how do you feel about somebody saying can I come in and have a 15 minute chat about my hair because it's thin and fine and I do want to do something with it but I don't want to take up a full consultation because they need to feel out the stylist and understand whether they know how to work with that kind of hair texture yeah oh 100% I really support that I think we should encourage that as hairdressers Uh, and uh, in my business that's something that we do a lot on a daily basis as well we actually consult everyone it's a bespoke service so for any colour services, for example, we have a consultation first before we actually book the appointment. Mm-hmm. And I think especially if you're concerned about your hair, if you have you know, thinning hair, for example, it doesn't feel great, that's the best thing to do. Go in and have a chat to, to a hairdresser, to a professional, mm-hmm. because that's your chance to sort of voice your opinion in terms of how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. And then the hairdresser can listen to... Uh, your sort of feedbacks, your thoughts, and then guide you and advise you on a journey and a plan of what you actually need. Mm. And also tell you what's realistic with your hair. 100%. And I think hairdressers, we need to take responsibility and a bit of ownership, and that's why it's so important to have a bespoke sort of journey for each individual, because mm. your hair will be very different to someone else's mm. hair. So 100%. Yeah, and I also always say, we're so polite in the UK. Well, we're, all, we're polite all around the world, aren't we, listeners? But um, we'd sit in a chair and have a haircut that we knew wasn't going to work and live with it for however many months, yeah. rather than upset the stylist. So <laughs> anyway. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up from this survey, this is really, this actually sort of, really made me think and this is that 28% of women think that the problem will just go away and Martin I guess you might be the best person to come to to ask about that Mm -hmm. will it just go away can it just write itself well once again it it boils down to what the cause is so there are conditions where it can improve Mm -hmm. Um, so if it's uh, some hair shedding following um, an anxious time or or shock um, or if it's an illness then yep the, the hair can improve by itself I think um, it was interesting um, what was said before about how much hair we need to lose before we, we notice that we've lost hair. And um, often there's the light bulb moment of, um, you know, away on holiday, somewhere sunny, and we can see that we can see, mm-hmm. you know, our scalp through our hair or in a changing room with a bright light or someone might make a comment and then all of a sudden um, uh, we notice that we've lost some hair. They're, then tends to be a denial phase with a lot of people. Oh, so they'll, they'll, oh, no, it's not really happening, it's not that bad, I'll see if it gets better. And uh, depending on the course, sometimes it does. So if the hair loss or hair shedding is only very mild, it may be quite appropriate to, to sweat it out and, and maybe look at lifestyle factors and think about something like the scale. But if it's an ongoing progressive problem, that's, that's when you need to seek medical attention. Some some thirty percent of women said they were too. And this was a survey of two thousand mm. women. Thirty percent they said they were too embarrassed to go and see a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
well, I appreciate everyone's thoughts on that actually. Like, mm. should should we feel embarrassed to go and see the doctor, or should we just take ownership of it? Is it a real so, concern? So, I because mean, we're being bombarded with lots mm. of information that you know our doctor's time is very busy. We've only mm. got a few minutes. Like, don't waste their time. But this mm. isn't time wasting, is it? No. So I mean, we should never feel embarrassed to talk to our doctor about anything, basically. Mm. So I mean, that, that's that's what the doctor's there for to to sort out our health. I guess with hair, it's not always a priority. Um, as I said before, a lot of general practitioners haven't had the, the medical training and it's not their fault, it's just not in the curriculum of, of their university. So they often um, can't give great advice because they're just not sure what to advise. So I think that's where some of the, I feel embarrassed or I feel self-conscious or I'm wasting the doctor's time because they, they realise how busy general practitioners are and you know people think, well, it's not, you know, it's not cancer or it's not heart or anything like that but actually I mean the, the first port of call could actually be the general practitioner or um, a, a healthcare professional just to um, talk about the um, concerns that, that you may have. Yeah. And I th- you, you think about it when it causes you such anxiety and stress if you don't address that cause of the anxiety and stress, mm. i.e. the hair loss problem, if the doctor is quite dismissive, which I've heard women say, they sometimes feel they go away without having been helped. Mm. And because then they feel like they did waste time because of the reaction they got. But actually, if it's going to compound the stress and the anxiety that that person's feeling, then ultimately, longer term, presumably, that's going to have a negative impact on the health. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle, it's and it's really proactive. important to give people yeah. the support when they're kind of brave enough to ask for it. Because, mm. you know, I think instinctively people try to hide the problem first and try to, like you say, go into denial and feel like, as a woman, I shouldn't acknowledge that this is happening to me, I'm not going to tell anybody. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it's really important to keep the conversation going so that people feel like comforted by the fact they're not alone it's a common problem and that there are places you can go and, and you can talk to people and have your hand held through a journey of, of recovery mm. um, so I think you know shouldn't underestimate the impact that that stressful feeling can cause well more so, seriously as well you know it could be a sign of something a bit more serious or, or mm. significantly more mm. serious so you shouldn't if you notice some a, a change in the body that's quite dramatic then you should go and, and see um, your GP but I don't know it's interesting when you said about when you were in the salon and you were like no don't put that on my hair mm. <laughs> like the, the juxtaposition of that is like from a dietary perspective we do not think twice about reading some article without any research whatsoever and start cutting things out of mm. our diet so True. I think where moderation in our diet should be or we should be much more um, sort of what's the word you know be self sort of self-critical with it yeah, before yeah. we start implementing massive changes in our diet as well in the same way that we really take care of our appearance and our hair and like people really think about the types of makeup they're going to put on or the types of products they don't actually necessarily think about what they're doing when they do like go into sort of I'm talking more about like really restrictive mm. diets now and that type of thing because you know ultimately that's not a good thing so I think yeah, yeah you read one article and all of a sudden you've gone down to the carbs are like you know yeah. banned for life that type of stuff and it's you know that it's that type of reaction to, from a nutritional perspective which I find is quite interesting really when like you said everybody's really like you wouldn't you know, dream of having somebody like touch your hair in a way that or, or cut it in a way that you didn't feel was right for you and you take time to think about that and have a consultation about colour you wouldn't just go in I mean you might but most people don't right? but I think I'm ballsy in the in the hairdressers in the stylist mm. chair because of my job yeah. and so I know what's going to happen and so 
I, I sort of, I, I'm not polite. I'm <laughs> thinking I don't want that to happen to me, so I will fault forward. But I know plenty of people who have come out of the hairdressers and called me up and said, I'm so upset. I would sit there, watch it go wrong, yeah. and not say a word, because I'd be almost... I might say, oh, I'm not quite happy with this little bit here, or I might try and be very gentle in how I approach yeah. it. But you're right, I think we, we're too polite sometimes. We, we, You know, it's our hair. It's, mm-hmm. And you do worry sometimes when somebody approaches it in a way you wouldn't... Especially if it's something you're already concerned and worried about. And I'm just... You probably have... I mean, I'm sure you all have. The emotional... Uh, impact of it, the emotional impact of feeling that your hair is not right, and how I know when I've sat with a trichologist or I've sat with a stylist when I was much younger, I just cried. Mm. I just cried because it was so upsetting, and I felt like I didn't want people to see me. I felt like oh, I can't go out, or I'm not pretty like other girls. Mm. Like all of these awful things that we do to ourselves, and that goes right the way through from when you're very young, mm. right the way to you know much older ladies. You know. If your hair goes wrong in later life, people assume, oh, you're not going to worry too much. What are you worried about your hair for now? Mm-hmm. But actually, it's not true at all. You know, older women, women in, in old age, mm-hmm. can really, really feel the same trauma and stress when their hair starts to thin. And it's, it's always going to be a part of your identity. And, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, when it goes wrong, it can really, really mm-hmm. affect you. And you just sometimes need to think about the simple ways you, you can help yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, Eve, I've come to you, I've seen you in your practice as a patient, and I, at that point, it was like, IBS, I'm stressed, I'm bloating, and it was very much that. Mm. At what point during the consultation are you noticing more that people will be like, I'm bloated, I'm stressed, oh, and I think my hair's a bit thin? Is it sort of coming in as a stronger part of the dialogue now with your patients? Well, actually, I'd say it's the other way around. It's like, right, I'm having spots, my skin's changed, my hair's falling out. Oh, and by the way, I've had digestive issues for 20 years and I don't go to the toilet, <laughs> right? So, actually, it's just that reality of that is your... That's how the world... I mean, the world sees you, literally, right? Mm. You can have had a stomach, you know, bloating out, like, you know, nobody's business for a long time before you sort of address that and that comes back down to you know we're not necessarily always we are what we eat but we are what we absorb Mm -hmm. and the hair's quite a good indication of that um so you know a a lot of things related to um you know hair that the health of the hair can be to do with what's happening from a digestive perspective like as in how much you're absorbing your gut health as well. Um, Because even coming down from a genetic perspective, so some people are more genetically predisposed to having thicker or thinner hair, but it's then how you bathe those genes, right? Mm. And um, we know that gut bacteria house 8 million genes versus our 23,000. So when you think about that from a genetic perspective, you've got to start support your gut health I mean I am like a gut health evangelist obviously but I'm just saying it's much more when we think about hair loss I think it's just more complicated and we don't we shouldn't just necessarily focus on one thing specifically and we have to look at our whole lifestyles and Mm. that's your body's indication of telling you that maybe if there's been changes that it's just not happy so you just have to bring back that sort of balance that homeostasis in the body and I think that's where you know, a supplement can help, like Viviscal can help um, start somebody's journey on, on not just thinking about what they're putting on their hair, but what they're doing 
from the from an inside perspective as well. You used a lot of long words there, which uh, bamboozled me somewhat. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's me being daft. But um, the thing is, with these Viviscal supplements, yeah, um, there's something in the data here about basically maximising the benefits in conjunction mm-hmm. with taking digestive enzymes and probiotics. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. Um, definitely probiotics. I mean, I you know I think the, the the amount that our gut is sort of bombarded with on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, it's good to have, or again, in the same way that you might negate hair loss by taking a supplement now mm. for prevention. Um, you know, the same is true for helping your gut health. Um, you know, again, thinking about the quality of supplements, and that's why Viviscal has you know the, the quality of the ingredients are really. Um, sort of well sort of thought out and researched and um, um, what have you. I must admit when um, I saw that you were prepared to talk about them I thought mm-hmm. they must be legit. <laughs> yeah I mean I'm a big stickler for research mm-hmm. and studies particularly independent trials which these guys have had and have for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not an advocate of pill popping I mean obviously I believe in diet first Mm -hmm. so you can't even with such a great supplement you can't just take that and not focus on your diet as well Mm -hmm. Um, but but supplements that can work with that yes I do think that to maximise the absorption of not just the supplement but your gut health generally Mm -hmm. you know helping to support that with a good quality probiotic could be a good thing but again with that do your research make sure you've got a good one now, Kim, tell us about because it's May. We're recording this in May, which is a special month, is it not? Yes, it's Hair Loss Awareness Month, and that's something that um, Viviscal actually spearheaded back in two thousand and eight to really try to get this conversation happening. Mm. Um, you know, it wasn't really every day back then that you'd pick up a, a, a magazine or read an article and female hair loss was even ever mentioned. So it didn't help these women that felt all alone with the problem. So we wanted to get it sort of onto the agenda to get people talking about it. And I think, you know, it's improved a lot, but mm-hmm. it's surprising. It's not until it's part of your world that you become aware of what's going on out there and what people are talking about and what you can do about it. So you can feel a little bit lost. And so I think it's really good that we're having this chat today. And it's good for people to, you know, to just talk amongst your friends. You might find you're not the only one, even in your peer group, even in your, that's perhaps a bit worried about this problem. And, you know, I think, you know, sharing a problem always helps and sharing solutions is what this is all about. So I think keeping that conversation going is so important and that's where the, the study results yeah. help with that well i think on this show we love conversations and we love shared experiences but we also love a bit of data and the fact that it's showing that so many women are feeling affected by this whether it's affecting their self-esteem or whether it's affecting their i don't know how well self-esteem how they feel about themselves um whether they will go to a doctor about it, whether they feel like they can be taken seriously. It's obviously a Whether they'll issue. even go out in public. Yeah, Some yeah. women feel that they just want to stay indoors. I'm not going to be seen like this. You know, it's, it can be so damaging. And yeah. and actually, you know, people need a little bit of help and support. And, 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 you know, I always say, I think you talked about, you know, your hair is perhaps perhaps it's much more about what you put in it than we're ever going to put on it we're all conscious of the hair we see the hair that's here when we meet someone it might be the first thing that we notice um but not many of us stop to think about where's it coming from what do i do to make sure that hair stays good and still looks nice in the future and we don't it's, to me it's the most important step in any hair care routine is to think about the nourishment that your hair's getting and if it's not getting that nourishment through your daily diet and let's face it most of us don't really know what we should be eating yeah we've heard some good advice today and you know oily fish 
fish and some of the other um, ingredients that you've mentioned but to, to have something that brings it to you in a daily dose every day the blend that's been scientifically researched and clinically studied to show that it can help with your the nourishment that your hair needs. And we're talking about 30 years It's as well. such it's an easy like thing to do. for a while yes. and updated yeah. and improved. How easy is it to decide to take two small coated tablets a day and know that you've actually taken a huge step to improving your own hair care routine? Mm. However big the problem you might have or not is, it's such an easy thing. But we don't really stop to think about that. We're so focused on the styling, the colour, um, the way our hair looks to other people, the way we feel about it. We don't stop to think about the importance of the nutrition and the fact that if your body is lacking, your hair's not going to be getting that nutrition from your diet. Which is why I'm so glad we've been able to talk to all of you today to get all of your perspectives. I think you've all come from a very knowledgeable place, not only because of your expertise, but because you speak to women every single day, men and women, every single day who are experiencing this and suffering with this. So thank you so much. It goes without saying, listeners, that all of the links to Martin, Christelle, Eve and Kim will be in the show notes, as as well as the links to the data and the supplements and uh, everything that has been mentioned during the show. But for now, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the show, simply email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can always slide into my DMs on social media where I am at Emma Guns on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to talk to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast, then click the link in the show notes and join that closed Facebook group. Answer those three questions and the conversation can begin. Thank you so much. I will see you on the next one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.